to the world of Doctor Who, the Time Lord that explores the galaxy while on his time-traveling adventures. Welcome to the world of the longest-running science fiction series in history, with your co-hosts Susan Backstrom, David Grunt, Matthew Rose, Tom Diamond, and Craig Johnson. And they explore the classic series from its humble beginnings in 1963 and tracking through time to every episode up to the current day. This is the Doctor Who retrospective, where a legend will never die. Literature Lessons Podcast and this Doctor Who week we'll be covering the Daleks and of course while we're covering the Daleks I'll be covering the first four episodes which will be episode number one which is Dead Planet number two which is Survivors number three which is The Escape and number four The Ambush and these all aired on December 21st of December 1963 to the 1st of February 1964 and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got Craig Johnson with us hello Craig Hello from East Finchley, everybody. And we got David Grant with us. Hello, David. Hello there, Keith. Hello there, Craig. Hello. Yeah, also in East Finchley. Although there is no Daleks here at the moment. Oh, maybe on the Northern line. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> and Matthew Rose may be with us. It all depends if the Daleks let him get his fish and chips on time. So we'll wait to see <laughs> if he appears. So, <laughs> before we go any further, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Craig, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Um, just, I've been taking down the exhibition at Lauderdale House. Um, that's finished now, but you can see, if you mm. want to catch up on the artwork or didn't get to see it, I'm going to be updating the my website, Craig's World on, the, on Etsy. If you search for the shop Craig's World, you can check out my work there. Or you can check out my links on craigsworld.org. Um, I've got different art things going on and stuff like that. Um, I'm still binge watching Chucky, so I'm up to see the <laughs> Chucky at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm halfway through Game of Thrones season, the new season. I'm on yeah. season six. Oh, the Thing uh, of Dragons or whatever it's called. House of the Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> House of Dragons. Yeah. Um, and I'm reading Gone Girl for our um, Dark America season. Yes. So I've got, I'm going to have to watch the movie soon with David. To Yes. It's a brilliant book. If anyone hasn't read it, it's uh, I can't put it down. It's been really enthralling. So, yeah, check it mm. out. Yeah, yeah. And what about yourself, David? What have you been up to? Yeah. yeah. Let's say like uh, Craig and I had the exhibition at uh, Lauderdale House. It was, a, it was a success because it's like, even though we didn't, well, Craig's mom did sell some, um, you know, photos. But the thing was, there was so many applicants, you know, to be chosen out of that. And uh, for me, anyway, it's like being a, a novice. I'm not really sort of. Uh, it was David's first. First exhibition. Um, like, and, public yeah. exhibition. So that was really lovely like, was to get chosen, like, you know. Yeah. And, um, I, would have I thought his thousands. first. I thought David's first exhibition was in the town square in front of that woman. No, never mind. That's it was when I opened up my jacket. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's an exhibitionist. You've got to watch this one. Yeah. yeah. That, I don't, I don't <laughs> intend to put that on TV anymore. You know? Yeah, yeah. 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 But, uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, but that was uh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, I actually started a new song being a musician, and it's called Strawberry Girl. So it's okay. nice. Yeah, that's coming together nicely, and um, uh, just uh, you know the usual doing a bit of work, um, pretend to be an exhibitionist and uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Actually, I'm off to Exhibition Park right after this podcast to join the other exhibitionists. <laughs> I've been a novice. <laughs> what have you been up to? What have you been up to? <laughs> um, well, um, tape this, we did The Batman, which is out now. Um, yeah. So we taped that on Friday. I've been watching some interesting films on Shudder. I watched a thing called... Um, Sissy, which is a very good film. I highly recommend it on Shudder. Um, about a girl who's social media and who's bullied and ends up at a party with a bull, um, with her bully, and that all goes horrendously wrong. And, um, so that was quite good. I watched The Watcher, which is based on a true story, which is on Netflix, which is an eight part series about these people who move into the house and they keep getting these weird letters and all this weird stuff keeps happening to them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was, yeah, it's quite good. I mean, um, I'm, I mean, it's based on a true story, but I think the word that we're looking for is based loosely on a true story because I did look at the real story <laughs> after that. And then I went down the serial killer um, wormhole and I watched um, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer tapes and the John Wayne Gacy tapes. And um, I just... Um, I, I watched the Candyman and oh, the Candyman, the Candyman and the and the Clown. Oh yeah, the John Wayne Gacy thing. There's like a Candyman the Clown documentary as well. Oh okay, it's quite yeah. Funny. I mean, um, yeah. I, I mean, I was just given a book called "The Life and Times of John Wayne Gacy," written by an author, done to review, which the review will be out this week. So I, I finished that. So I kind of went down that, um serial killer wormhole which is interesting i quite like all that i like serial killers i'd be one but if I, i'm just it's just a lot of hard work to be a serial killer <laughs> I, I, the body and, yeah you know, it's the clearing you know, open you know yeah dna it's like it's not, you know, like yeah. in the 70s it's so much easier just easier yeah modern techno modern technology has taken away my dream but um but another good film on Shudder is Death Stream, which I highly recommend, um, which is about a social media influencer who has a YouTube channel, does something stupid, does a, uh, has to cry and make make amends to the people like what happens on YouTube. And then he decides to spend some time in a haunted house, which is really fun. I suggest really got, giving that one a try. <laughs> and Dario Gento's new movie, who hasn't done a film for probably a good 12, 15 years, has come out with a new one on Shudder called Dark Eyes, which is a new Italian guy guido film. So highly yeah. recommend that as well. Mm. But other than that, I worked and, and I'm doing Doctor Who. Yes. Oh, I watched Maxine on Channel 5. It was a three-part series based on the killers mm. of uh, Ian Huntley and Maxine Carr. Oh, flipping it, yeah. That was really yeah. interesting. It was really good. Setting, man, you know, like, uh, yeah, if you yeah. like um, serial child killing programs well you know the, when when they did the uh, sensational exhibition uh, way back in the uh, the mid 90s they there was one pin that everyone well actually it was in the standard uh, asking for it to be taken down there actually was hand chi children's handprints that when you step back it made the image of mara hindley which yeah, was I, I saw that 
remember that, uh, Keith? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I went to that exhibition, actually. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the show was great. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing was amazing. Like, you know, just to see some of the old pop art stuff and the mm. new stuff, you know, it was great. Yeah. yeah remember the, the mannequins in a circle with penises coming out of their mouths. So oh, yeah, that. them. The two brothers that, that do these strange, you know, reenactments of, uh, yeah, they're, they're quite odd. Yeah, they were Nike shoes. I remember that. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. a Picasso exhibition coming. Yeah, that's right. That sounds interesting. I want to see that. <laughs> With his new um, penis head. Um, <laughs> Dickhead. Yeah. Are you with Yeah. yeah. Go see it now before the tomato, tomato soup comes out. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what was it? Why throw it at the Van Gogh pit? And I don't get that one, you know. You know, I don't know. You know, why don't they? I don't understand why they're not working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is because we can't pay, pay our fuel bills. Like, well, you might want to get a job, that might help. Yeah, it might help. Um, you know, it might take some of your time up, like, you know, yeah. But, uh, good deal, man. Yeah. No, it's, you know, back in the 60s, somebody slashed a few Dolly paintings, you know, they're not really like anti something, they're just jealous, man, because they didn't think of the idea you know and why mm. slash a dolly it's just genius you know it's beautiful you know mm. yeah i just i don't understand the um dolly was a dolly the, synth- <laughs> the synthetic behind it all i mean i don't i mean you know if you want people to if you want people to listen to your cause i think that's the wrong way of doing it because all you do is yeah. you don't you look at these people and go you're just a dick yeah you know <laughs> yeah you know yeah you, you. You know. <laughs> it's anti-promotion you know it's like really bad uh, yeah, you know, well, it's like that one that they're like dumping all the milk out at the grocery store and they're throwing it on the floor. Oh, and yeah. it's about like about workers' rights. It's like I don't understand it because now they poured all this milk on the ground and stuff yeah. like this. Some yeah. minimum wage person's gonna have to mop that up. Mop it up. So oh, no. it defeats the whole not only is it stupid, it defeats the object. And it's a waste of food, you know. And they'll repackage it. Yeah. As um, sell it reduced <laughs> as Mentos, yeah. You know, you can put it inside a club coke bottle and it's explode it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure, and all, all that sort of stuff. I mean, I think it's, I think it's people have the right to protest. I just think that course, they should yeah. do it a bit more intelligently. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, no. But I always find that everyone who used to protest back in their twenties and end up being yuppies and um, middle. They're always like middle class people, anyway. Well, yeah, I think yeah, they, yeah. they got mommy and daddy paying for everything. So, exactly. No. The thing is, I mean, yeah. you know, I know, re- I know you. Well, you can be re- rebellious all your life. You know, you have to mean it. You know, mm. if it's just a fad or it's like something just to grab attention. There was a great. Uh, I remember years ago, and it's like I had a big fur coat, big lady fur coat, and when my hair was long, in a seventies band, and uh, I walked out the door, and the old man said to me. Why are you wearing that coat? And I says, yeah, because I'm an individual. He says, yeah, but all your friends wear the same thing. <laughs> so, you know, kind of defeated the object. <laughs> you know, so there you go. Choice of individuality is a hard one. I remember watching this movie, it had Joe Beth Williams from Poltergeist in it. Oh, and yeah. She's wearing this fur coat. She gets out of the car and someone's screaming at her. Do you know how many animals they had to kill to make that coat? And she turns around and she goes, you know how many men I had the fuck to get this coat? <laughs> <laughs> oh bloody hell! <laughs> just like, oh, that's a good comeback. Like that <laughs> so, saying that, what we're yeah, gonna do is cut the synopsis of Doctor Who: The Daleks Part One, and we'll be right back after that.
There's a synopsis for Doctor Who, The Daleks, Part 1, airing the 21st of December, 1963, to the 1st of February, 1964, including episodes 1 through 4, which include the titles The Dead Planet, The Survivors, The Escape, The Ambush. The TARDIS lands in a petrified jungle, where the first Doctor tries to determine their position by taking a reading of the stars. He insists they explore a futuristic city they spot beyond the forest, but Ian Charleston and Barbara Wright are not convinced. In the forest, someone touches Susan Foreman's shoulder. The doctor does not believe her. Later, a box of vials is found outside the TARDIS. The doctor claims the fluid link of the TARDIS is running low on mercury, a ruse he later admits to, forcing the crew to travel to the city in search of more mercury. Barbara becomes separated from her colleagues in the city and is threatened by an unseen creature with a metal arm. Before long, the entire crew is captured by an unseen creatures operating tank-like machines, the Daleks. Susan is eventually sent to retrieve anti-radiation drugs from the TARDIS after the doctor realizes this is what the box contained. Susan encounters a second species, the Thals, who used to be at war with the Daleks. The Thal who left the drugs reveals he encountered her in the forest. Susan attempts to broker peace between the two groups, and while it appears to work, the Daleks eventually betray the Thals, opening fire on them at which was supposed to be a peaceful exchange of food. The Daleks attempt using the anti-radiation drugs, but discover that they are fatal to Daleks. They conclude that Daleks need radiation to survive and decide to bombard the atmosphere with more radiation. And that was the synopsis for The Daleks, Part 1, Episodes 1 through 4. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Literature License Podcast. We're discussing Doctor Who, The Daleks, Part 1. And starting with you, David, what are your thoughts of these episodes? Right. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I was, we were just chatting before, like, uh, with uh, Craig and uh, Keith about this. Like, it was the... You black remember and white. it, don't you? I do. You I was saw at, it live. You know, it's like the old classic, like, you know, everybody was at the first U2 gig or something like that, you know. I actually was seven years old, 21st of December, 1963. And of course, uh, it, it actually be building up. Now I think. Did back, you hide behind the sofa? I did indeed. You know, we actually hired a sofa for the occasion, <laughs> <laughs> a big one. No, but uh, I remember sort of like it came. It was just there'd never been anything like that on TV, at, at all. You know, so it's totally revolutionary. Verity Lambert's genius. You know, the, all the people involved in the show is fantastic. You know, but the thing is, that the thing that really stuck in my mind was like it was like a minimalistic thing. You know, would it be in black and white also? So it was like. Uh, with the lack of colour, you had to sort of use your imagination. And it did engage with your imagination. You know, all the series was beautiful. All that first series was beautiful, you know. And William Hartnell, iconic, you know. And, and to use a police box, it was like just so funny, you know. Um, I didn't realise he wore a wig as well. I didn't know that. I oh, thought it was yeah, his... Uh, ah, okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, yeah, it, did, it really stuck in my mind because it's like the next, over the next uh, couple of weeks, all we talked about at school was Doctor Who. It became, you know, the vocabulary of our time, you know, and uh, sci-fi was born, you know, visual sci-fi was born. Yeah. Wow. 
What do you think? Craig? What about yourself, um, Craig? What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I really liked it. I mean, it's it's it's, it's iconic. Yeah, it's um, iconic. Yeah. But there was this sense of a foreboding. <laughs> they, they did a simple one key on the piano, and oh, it was yeah. like a. It reminded me of the film Dunkirk, where you just sense something dangerous and unnerving is yeah. is coming. Something <laughs> alien. Um, because they just they think they're in a petrified forest. Mm. Well, they are in a petrified forest, but they don't realize they're on the planet Scarrow, yeah. which was beautifully done as well by the um the special effects team. It it looked really realistic and vast and and um what David said about being minimal, yeah, the um that thing. comes across. But the only um is it a continued contingency? No, continuity. Oh, continuity yeah. When the TARDIS doors opened. Yeah, they had hexagons on the inside. Yeah. So if they opened outwards, it it wouldn't have worked because it should say police for public use only and have the St John ambulance on the front. That's the only gripe I've got with it, really. Because right. I was like, oh, how does doesn't make sense unless there's double doors that they walked into. <laughs> um, I like the whole dynamic between Ian and Barbara. Uh, I'd love I'd love there to have explored more with his granddaughter. Um, even in the current series to include her um, or talk about her because, it, you know, she's really intriguing. Yeah. You know, is she, she's obviously a Time Lord if, if, if she's a relative of his, but it's not mentioned. Yeah, why did they drop um, her, you know, because, I mean, they didn't really continue with her story. Like, you know, she is a Time Lord, as you say. Didn't they have problems with her on set or something? So they have to, so don't they replace her at some point uh, in the middle of the series? Maybe. Did she last all the way through the series? I think you guys were yeah. saying last... Last episode, I think that she she gets replaced by someone else, and she in the middle of this. She does, yeah. Block. So um, maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't remember any of the characters' names, but I do. That I, I mean, there's Ebenezer Who, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's then there's Chrissy Hines, his granddaughter, because she yeah. looks like Chrissy Hines. <laughs> Patricia Rutledge, the teacher. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and Hagrid. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, and when, and, and six and, and sixty single teacher dude. You know, sort of when, when they when Ian is when they're on when they first see the Daleks and you have that yeah the special effect the spe the sound effects team did a really good job. Yeah, it was just simple like clashes of sound. Yeah. So when when the Doctor Susan and they all walk into the um, into the city and then they're surrounded by Daleks and you've got that high-pitched um, sh shudder sound. Yeah. That was quite good. And then also Ian tries to leg it and he gets his legs an anesthetized yes. or paralyzed, sorry, paralyzed, by yeah. the Daleks. And that's when you realize that these are dangerous, you yeah, know, they these... can paralyze your legs. And if they do it a second time, then they kill you, which is unusual because normally they'll say exterminate and you're just dead. Yeah. Um, so they are, they seem to show some sort of humanity <laughs> in the first ever one. But they obviously they scrapped that and just yeah. and had them killing everyone after this. Mean, mean and obviously machine. Terry Nation, he he was, um, he had a lot of military background in his family. Right. So he did base, obviously, the Daleks on the SS and the, and the Nazis. Okay. Um, as this oppressive race okay. of beings. And I think Daleks, I, I heard that Dalek is an anagram of Khaled, which is the race from which they evolved. Ah. And it also means a far and distant thing in Serbo-Croat. Wow. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realise it went that deep with the, uh, you know, yeah. 
Because Dalek, right. it, it, it actually, it's funny saying it, it did sound like an anagram. Really. Mm. Like, and you like, see that, he, the, my, some of my favourite scenes are when Barbara was there and then suddenly you just see the ice stalk of the Dalek coming towards her yes. and she screams. Yes. That's the first cliffhanger. I thought, wow, that's so cool. That's right. Through you know, like the fish eye of the Dalek. It must have been really freaky for you guys in the 60s to have seen that. Because obviously we're conditioned, you know, we, we've had Evil Dead, for example. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're pretty much immune yeah. now to you've been immersed in uh, stuff a lot of TV. shock like yeah over the you years know. you know but well um, yeah. i don't understand why they don't, they're not losing their hair though i mean they get all this radiation they land on the planet it's full of radiation yeah. this yeah which is oh, quite good but they're kind of they're kind of running through the files, the, the files <laughs> left them the medication though that's what because i got confused thinking why are they not Surely this can't be good if the if the radiation's at danger levels. But then yeah. I realised the Thals left medication for them to take. Yeah, but like you well, said, yeah, but they they spent a long time. I mean, Susan had to go running back and forth before she got the medication, didn't she? Yeah, um, yeah. Chrissy Hines yeah. did, and I would love to see you know, when she got back. Patricia Rutledge like having half her hair, half her beehive gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it keeps right. It's like all the Thals had a beautiful head of hair. They all look like sort of a Tristan, David Bowie heroes period, you know. Tristan Carey did the music for it, right, right, and uh, it was directed by Christopher Barry and Richard Martin. Mm. But I mean, I did like the. Um, I mean, it's very intriguing. I, you know, I do like the storyline. I do think that I think they're still finding their pacing as well about how they're going to pace it and stuff like this. And true, you know, this is long before you know you had to catch it live. If you didn't catch it live, that was it. You missed it. If you missed exactly. it, then you missed. You missed it. You might have to, you might lose some of what's going on. So, you know, so I understand that. I mean, especially covering Dark Shadows that we did as well. Um, mm. Now that we're finishing up on that, I know that pacing is everything. Sometimes they either go too fast or too slow. Yeah. So I think the pacing is better than the, than the first one. Though I do have, I mean, when they do come across the, the humanoids or the human people on there, and you know they're running around in their little um, underwear, their underwear and shower curtains. And I just <laughs> it's like, okay, it's like put this on. This will keep you warm. This is like what? <laughs> in a radiated yeah. cut. It's like yeah, are you cold in a radiated cut? There was a lot of climbing going on during the ambush as well, which I thought yeah it got a bit um tedious. monotonous yeah. when you know I wanted something more to happen. But Raymond Cusick de designed the Dalek. He designed the Dalek. Yeah. It's, it's his baby. Wow! It um, is and he based them on pepper pots from the um, what from Wimby from Bar? a restaurant table. That's that's the original. The original design was like two pepper pots with claws. Right. Well, the shower curtain that they're wearing around their shoulders—that's <laughs> based on a. That's based on the Daleks. Oh, the, the Daleks! Oh, okay. No, the, the, the Thals made it to IKEA. Got the I mean, I, I, I thought it was—I thought it was interesting that when they're trying to subdue one of the Daleks, they grabbed it by its penis and were swinging it around. That was quite interesting by its plunger penis thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you got Patricia, you got Patricia Rutledge there, like just holding on to it, like for dear life. Like, oh my God, it's gonna inseminate me! It's gonna inseminate me! <laughs> I, I thought maybe the Daleks were Ridley like Scott. Rid, Ridley Scott was was supposed to be the, the do the designing, yeah, originally. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's, he was Ridley on, Scott. He went on to do big Rid, things. He was about twelve at the time. I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 so he was, yeah, I don't see that all. <laughs> 
Well, I guess he would be actually, because I mean, yeah, I don't think he'd been in his twenties in the in, no, in sixty four, would he? Because he's not that old. That would that would make him like eighty now. Yeah, the lights of the Daleks was Christmas tree lights covered with ping pong balls, up when they were operated by an actor inside. Ah, uh, okay, right. No, I mean the whole thing was iconic. But, you know, just it's oh, yeah. a different I'll, image. You know, I'll, yeah. I mean, I, I like the you know the Daleks design and stuff like this. Mm. I, I, seem do, I, do, I do, I do, question the um, the blonde hair helmets that the um, the aliens <laughs> on the planet. Dolls, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, look at you! It's like, ooh, I just got, I just got off, I just got, <laughs> yeah, off, yeah. I just got off of a beach movie with a Netflix yeah. and Bring Avalon, <laughs> yay! <laughs> I'm going surf- I'm gonna go surfing with the Beach Boys later, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, all the dolls had been to Videl Sassoon, and then they went to Mary Corn for the makeup. Mm. You know, I remember that bit. But uh, <laughs> but the, we used to go, we used to pretend to be Daleks. We used to put like a saucepan on your head, you know, with the with the handle sticking out, so you look like a Dalek, you know. Well, I mean, I'm damaged. The, the when, other, when, I mean, the other human, the other humanoids. There's a lot of side boobing going on with some of the guys on that sh- and and the second yeah. as well. I remember yeah. like. When when Remembrance of the Daleks was shown in 1988, and I was in, I went to school the next day and was pretending to be a Dalek in the yeah. playground with all my mates. Yeah. So it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, little boys that want to be aeroplanes or Daleks. Hmm. You know, and uh, being a being a bit of a space space nut, I wanted to be a Dalek. Hmm. Matthew Rose has joined us. Hello, Matthew. What are your thoughts hey. of these episodes Hello, of the Daleks? <laughs> Good evening, good morning, got your time zone. Hello. Um, Hello. But first of all, uh, sorry for the delay. I just had to go get dinner. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. saw, uh, to go on with that quickly before we started the episode, I was in the chip shop and a little kid had like a whisk and I just thought the Daleks instantly. <laughs> <laughs> no, these episodes, um, I think firstly because I was re-watching them today for the first time in a while, and without them, I don't think Doctor Who would have been here about yeah, yeah, nearly yeah. about 60 years old without the Daleks, because exactly. they are so ingrained in pop culture now. They appear yeah. at nearly every convention. They appear in nearly every TV or film. It's as iconic as the blue box and the Doctor. Yeah. Those are the three things you associate with the show. So for the episodes... It's when the crew, I think, are starting to come together a lot more of the Doctor, mm-hmm. Susan, Ian and Barbara. He is a crafty individual in this story. He set the whole thing up because he didn't want them to leave. He damaged his own yeah. he damaged his own console, like the weasel he was, just so he could explore the city. The city, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's basically... The doctor's fault that he's got his greatest enemies, the Daleks, all because of his curiosity. Mm. And Ian and Barbara just resent him, and they're like, "Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's time he was served up some of his own medicine." <laughs> well, he did get the radiation. They're getting Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> well, yeah, for I se- mean, for seven I mean, Doctor. E- Sorry, go on. I mean, Doctor Ebenezer, who is just. I mean, God, he's a grumpy old man, isn't he? <laughs> he's yeah. a grumpy old soul. Yeah, he's like a typical granddad, you know, I guess, you know, uh, well, I mean, I could be a granddad, you know, and um, but I mean, uh, I guess as, as you get older, things don't become more clarified. It's more, you just get really peed off everything, you know, 
And I mean, like, well, yeah, he, he, he's, as bitter, he's as bitter as Grandpa Simpson. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if he was a real person, he'd be arrested for kidnapping because he's still holding the holding the teachers hostage at this yeah, point. You're yeah, right. yeah, bloody hell, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, you know, holding two teachers in a telephone box. Hofstede really... wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> It's a bit of a, a felony, you know. <laughs> I mean, we do get Patricia Rutledge, and because of her shoe fetish, she was able to get be able to make mud with a little bit of spit. Well, mud I noticed from Susan, Susan was wearing from, flats. Yeah, yeah. Because she climbed up a tree at some point. I thought, how the hell did she get up a tree with high heels on? Uh-huh. But, but in any other situation, she would have tripped over a twig and broken her ankle. Possibly, yeah. But now she's up a tree. <laughs> I thought she was always wearing trainers, though, isn't she? Kirstie Hines or Susan or whatever her name is. <laughs> For a seven-episode arc that this was, because it's all basically one story, well, for me, it played to everybody's strengths, because Susan, yeah. she had to go back to the TARDIS on her own, who's petrified on this alien oh, world, and she's yeah. still screaming, she does the usual, but... <laughs> It yes. really highlights how strong of an actress Carolyn Ford is in the Daleks yeah. because you get to see that innocence of an alien on an alien world who doesn't know what she's doing without her grandfather to guide her. Um, yeah. And a petrified world as well, of all things. <laughs> I mean, that lizard. I, I, like, I, like, I like that one scene where she goes, oh, look, look at this flower. Like, isn't it beautiful? And then they pick up yeah. another one, just like crumbled it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, really crap all the culturists, you know. <laughs> and it's got some amazing cliffhangers, like the very first episode with Barbara, because when she's like screaming and they left it ambiguous what that was, because the next week yes. is when they reveal what the Daleks are. And people yes. found out what pop culture meant from the very beginning with this oh, this boy. story of the Daleks. <laughs> I, my my favorite thing is the doors and the cells. I love the way those doors open up that way, and then they close down in that half circle thing. That that's and that gave us something else. But another thing I didn't quite understand with the whole Dalek thing is, so basically they capture the Dalek, they grab a hold of its plunger and wheel it around onto the shower curtain. And why why can't it move? Why can't they move? Is that because the floor the floor is like like yeah, electronic electrical like magnetic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the budget at the time, the Dalek props were basically people inside them on little bicycles like wheels, so they had to like ride them. And they were yeah, dancers. Yeah, but well, uh, no. But I'm wondering is as far as the Daleks are concerned, do they? Is the floor supposed to be metal and it's kind of like you know, like um, yeah, this like, is the very, like um, bumper, yeah, like bumper cars, like bumper cars. Yeah, yeah. they, they yeah. So by the electric, very uh, basic uh, ones. Because I think after this encounter, they start adapting them to move everywhere. I think yes. they were restricted here on Scarrow, and then they adapted them as each episode went on for them. Yeah, uh, what what did they do about yeah. the stairs? Oh, yeah, that's uh, in remembrance, which Craig mentions. That that actually nearly killed them because the Dalek prop was so heavy that it nearly fell backwards on them. Uh, <laughs> the Dead Planet got six point nine million viewers, and that's... then by the Rescue episode seven, it was at ten point four million viewers. Uh, yeah, because it's such a strong story. Because it managed to not only have the Doctor, her Susan, Ian, and Barbara in such great terror, and build, it's also building the chemistry more with the cast as yeah. well as the guest cast, the, the menace. It's like each yeah. episode was to highlight the strength of the actors weekly. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I prefer this over the prehistoric man thing, um, the man story. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, there's just so. I mean, it's just too many unibrows in that. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> because I, because I came on and I didn't see those episodes um, because yeah. some of the one of the guest hosts didn't show up, so I said, "Sure, I'll I hope you get, you know I'll come on." And so, and I've actually why we were recording, I actually downloaded Britbox and got a membership to it and so, and, so, and then after we finished I did watch those episodes sort of thing there's a lot that I liked about it but it's kind of like there's kind of a disjointedness and I have to fix, say with the, these set of episodes these first four everything yeah. seems to be a bit more organized as far as the storytelling goes oh and- yeah because as we said the first one was a complete disaster that and they had to reshoot it because there's a pilot version and the one that went out just for the first episode because the doors kept opening people were falling <laughs> over it, it, it wasn't great for, for the first <laughs> time yeah, <laughs> and we and we did have prehistoric man speaking in very proper English accent. So it's, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. it was it was like the, not the usual. That's what threw me. I thought it'd be like you fire and all that, like how everyone does. It. And they're like, "Hello, okay. how are you doing?" Uh, yes, yes, we're cave people. Hello. I'd like to make some fire. Can you help me, please? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just rub two sticks together. I'm sure we can do it. <laughs> oh. The, the if I, the if secret I, if is I, the rocks fire, together. I will be a leader. Oh, jolly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry for everyone that I just massacred the, the English dialect for y'all. Yeah, well, my my British accent does sound more like Dick Van Dyke if I let it. So, but, um, but yeah, I, I found it was quite interesting. So basically the whole, do we find out why the whole planet's radiated? Do they let like, uh, Craig? Do, or, is, or does that come? Does that come in later episodes? The ones that we're not covering now. Oh, uh, I'm trying to remember now. But I think it's within the story. It was. I think it was the Daleks who did it themselves because they was at war with the Fowls, and that was yes. a side effect from it. Oh, okay. okay. So they kind of like some kind of atomic war weapon, I guess. And that's it. That's yeah. what exactly what happened. It was an atomic war trying to blow them off the planet. Right. Wow. And because and because of their blonde, um, blonde helmet hair, they were able to radiate the, <laughs> the radiation off them. So they lived. Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> I've never heard a foul described with blonde helmets. So I'm gonna have to use that. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> blonde helmet hair. I'm oh, sorry. I thought Craig had fallen over. I mean, there. I yeah. think. I mean, you know, not to be. You know, there. There's a bit of gay subtext going on here, especially like you got the <laughs> you got the blonde one helping him out, and you got the one on the side going, "Are you sure you want to help them?" <laughs> it's like, <"What?"> <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, and I don't know. Why. It's like, and it, I thought that I found that scene kind of weird because you got like Susan. And hippie chick, and then blonde and blonde helmet guy, and then basically they're having this conversation, and every once in a while it's like the ca- camera cuts to this other guy. He's like looking. I'm like, are you sure? And like, like really <laughs> over, and over and the blonde guy. It's like <laughs> it's almost like he's not on the set, and it's only yeah. like afterward after that scene played, and they, I think the camera pulls back, and you actually realize he's actually there off to the side. And I thought like, where's he coming from? Is that God? <laughs> Termosus was the leader of the Thals. Right. What's his name? Termosus. Termosus. And then there was Ganatus. Bloody hell. 
<laughs> and um, gonads, gonads, and Thomas. <laughs> Stoll, Elian, and Zor. Right. Okay. Zor. Uh, oh, so basically, budget Power Rangers got yeah. 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 Well, well, we thought they were like maybe a, a Duran Duran. I mean, you know, I have to sit there and say though, I found it. But another thing I found quite interesting was the simple fact that the older man or the the leader of the what were they the Fallons? Fowls. Fowls. Okay. Fowls. Sorry, not, not, the, the leaders of the Fallons from Dynasty. Fallon. The Fallons. Fowls. So. Um, Fowls. And I found it like like he was very like optimistic. It's like oh they're gonna you know, oh they're forgiving us. We're all gonna be friends. We're all gonna be singing. You know, you know, yeah. all gonna be singing like a Coke commercial. I like to teach the world to sing. You know, and then they're like oh yeah, let's go, let's go. They're gonna give us food and like, and then it's like he's the first one killed, and the other guy's almost like told you so. <laughs> He goes to the TARDIS the and get, he gets the cavemen to come back and then eat them. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I find the most interesting with the Daleks concept for this store, they're playing possum. They're pretending they're nice, but they have ulterior motives, which yeah. is something they don't really have as much later on. They don't just yeah. get down to business. Here they're playing the long game. That's yeah. it, yeah. I'm, qu- I'm quite surprised though that people are falling for that. I mean, these are the people that just radiated you. So why do you think they want to help now? <laughs> so I thought that's like, like I, so, you know, I mean, it's a bit like Japan with America. It's like you now you want to put Disneyland here. It's like what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After Hiroshima? <laughs> are you sure? Oh, to go back also for episode one, what I quite liked about it is that um, the Doctor didn't even really want. Ian and Barbara to be travelling with them even though they barged in in the last one they, they had fun with yeah. the cavemen he still wanted them to go home, he had enough of them Yeah, he was yeah. like I'm fucking sick of you lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the thing is and then he takes the, then he takes the key with him so they can't, he can't, they can't they can't return home on their own yeah. so it's like mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's a bit you like Scotland he can't isn't go it? back because he'll be faced with child's <laughs> Social services. Yeah, social services. So he's well, not really. You services. just drop them off and go off, go off without them. Really. <laughs> drop them off in the 15th century or something. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. <laughs> like the Northern. Bye, Patricia Rutledge and, and Mr. <laughs> Gotta run. Mr. 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 Single, single Teacher Man. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bachelor oh, Man. Um, I think this was the I'll first time because yeah. obviously it was new for the show. This is the first time they had the food machine as well because obviously that becomes not as important as as the later on series with Doctor. But it was nice to know like how the Doctors just like got hold in the TARDIS and how they got food weekly. Yeah, mm. so it's they the don't first really time I've seen them eat. Yeah, I I found it quite shocking that basically they didn't check the planet before they opened the doors and went out into it. Oh, it looks like it's safe. Oh, let's walk out and it's like oh, and then it's well, radiation. Normally, <laughs> normally he checks the scanner, but I think he wanted them gone so much he was willing to drop them off here. Yeah, he yeah. wanted to radiate. <laughs> yeah, poor Ebony. Maybe he's not a very nice. He's not a very nice doctor. Actually, he's very. He's very egotistical, isn't he? Everything, everything's got to be his way. And then when it all goes horribly wrong, and then and he, and he tries to be the brains behind the operation that's going to save them, <laughs> and, it ends up, and it ends up becoming Patricia Rutledge and Bachelor Teacher that kind of saves them. But what? But you know, from this episode and people do many comparisons. When you look at Hartnell's hair in this episode, people have compared him a lot to Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future, right? <laughs> 
<laughs> so what's Ebenezer whose real name? Uh, William Hartnell and Doc Brown. So people think he looks like Doc Brown in this episode when they look at the photos side by side. He kind of looks a bit like um, Peter Cushion's poor poor brother. Well. <laughs> He's got that Peter Cushion's poor brother kind of look, you know. The well, brother that you know, Peter Cushion made it big, and Peter Cushion's brother movie, stayed on yeah. the estate. Eight, well, that's funny you say Peter Cushion, Keith, because back in the sixties they made live-action Doctor Who movies. This was that's remade, right. and yeah. Daleks Invasion was remade. So two episodes got remade with Peter Cushing as a human Doctor in the TARDIS. Yes, yeah, yeah. we actually cover. We're actually covering those in season seven when we do Amic- uh, Amicus um, um segments that we're going to do next in season seven so we're going to be covering yes. those two movies mm. but but yeah so because he does he kind of has, does have that peter cushion but more of the tv version of peter cushing i guess <laughs> yes so, i mean he's, he's not bad he i think he, i think he's good at what he does he's very hard he's, he's very hard to assimilate to or like though he's not a very likable person well i think that was the point doctor who was never supposed to be about this magnificent traveler through time and space he was only supposed to be for history that's why we had the cave people in the last one he was just supposed to be a historical person they tried the daleks mm. and it went from there yeah well we well, i think we do get stuck back in history don't we end up in marco polo for like 12 episodes soon oh that's missing <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's one of the missing so. episodes yes yeah. Oh, because they had they had quite a sexy Marco Polo, if I remember seeing from the pictures. <laughs> well, we'll have to miss out well on you that can one. only you can listen to him on the BBC soundtrack, right? Did he talk yeah. like this? <laughs> Did he talk like a BBC? <laughs> Did he talk like Philip Schofield? Hello, <laughs> welcome to welcome to ITV Live. Yes. <laughs> well, the best thing I'm about t- this, I'm it, feels you, like, it feels like a mini trilogy <laughs> because. People have said that even when the DVD come out for the Daleks, they yeah. triple packed it with the first story in Earthly, this one, and the next one, Edge of Destru- Edge of Destruction, which is like a mini trilogy. I mean, for these episodes, I mean, I did I did enjoy them actually. I mean, I have a difficulty time. I have difficult with science fiction anyway, or fantasy, science fiction or fantasy. It's only because some of the names kind of trip me up, and it's like. I just think it's like, oh no, this author's gone through and just put a bunch of letters together and made a word. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> I also got to say, I do love in episode one is um when they're all trying to work it out, Barbara's like fed up. Oh, I just want to go home. And Ian's like, what is your sense of adventure? Yes. I mean, I can imagine. I mean, I think I think Barbara's doing fantastically well because she's ran around with prehistoric people who spoke perfect English. And <laughs> then she's then she's run around this pre this um, you know basically radiated country and she hasn't torn a stocking no well <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, I like the simple fact that she gets a bit flustered and her hair kind of comes slightly over and then it's like then when everything's fine her hair goes back being wrapped up in yeah. this toilet paper little <laughs> um, yeah but again but what you're yeah. seeing keith is the daleks at their basic they used to stun people they don't even do that anymore they just kill them now yeah. they just don't they do any of that anymore yeah, and uh, well, it, it, I thought maybe the reason why I know that they, I know that they did murder people. I know, you know, I know the folklore a little bit about Daleks only from living here and hearing people talk. And I thought that basically the reason why they were stunning them here is because they needed to them for something. They yeah. needed they needed 
they needed the radiation and they needed this and they needed Susan to do this and this and this for them and to trap the other yeah. people and they needed and that's probably I thought I that's why I thought they keep them kept them alive because yeah. they're just using them. Yeah. I did find it a bit on. odd that but I'm glad that but it it seemed kind of like Ebenezer who sent it be a bit, he he didn't it seemed like the other the other characters teacher <laughs> and Barbara and Susan <laughs> seemed to be more up more more on on turn with the Daleks, knowing that what they were up to, and that I found the doctor seemed to be slightly behind the time the well, curve here with yeah, them. And I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. I think he also didn't want to be caught that he baited them to be there by taking out his own fluid link, so he just rolled along with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm glad that Susan had a good sense of um direction for able to leave Dalek land and be able to get back to the back to the yeah. phone box. Went, went through the forest, you know, and found a way back. Because when they first show up and they're basically overlooking the city, like, oh, look, here's this, here's this city, isn't it? Yeah. And then it's like, so obviously, and it's off in the distance, so it's got to be a fair track. Yeah, look, quite, it looked like probably around about, say, you know... Because that's why they, they had to park the TARDIS into... In, in the edge of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. So there seem to be like, you know, there's Dalek land. It seems to be very um, straight, you know, very, I guess, very modernized. And then it seems like the people are living in a more of a, and they're living in the woods, aren't they? Are, yeah. They, uh, do you think they, they live in the city beforehand or before the Daleks? Or do, do they live in harmony with the Daleks at one time? Or is it just the Daleks no, just think- show up and. I don't think so. Do the people out into the yard. Yes, I think the best thing about these as well as you see, the TARDIS, which became like their home, becomes more of a character as it goes on. I think that's how she's treated throughout the history. They build around that. She's more of alive as these episodes go up. I mean, yes, he used her in the first episode and and Susan ran into it for that cliffhanger through the forest and all that. But what you'll see, thanks to the whole stuff that started with the Daleks, ne- the next one, Edge of Destruction, it's a main character piece set within her. So you get to see their acting abilities put to strength mm-hmm. in the next one. I mean, I'm quite interested to see how the story pans out. I said before, this is the first time I've watched them sort of thing. And oh, yeah. The Daleks did- are very crafty here on Scar O'Keefe. This is literally... This is a very unique position. They don't normally pretend that they're on the force of good, and if they do, they're it's very rare for them. Do we find out what they look like inside their little outfit? Oh, yes, the casings. Yes, I can't yeah. recall if it's the Daleks because I need to re watch the rest of the episodes mm-hmm. after after we're done here because I was uh, briefly re watching the first four, but um. It's either this or it's their next one, Daleks Invasion. You finally see their little blobs. Yeah. Okay. Because um, I know that they take take one of them out and then he get kind of crawls into into it. Oh. Yeah, he, he crawls into it and I thought and he said there's not enough leg room, but they but they had them all covered up. And it's like oh. <laughs> I know. I see, yeah, Ian being inside a Dalek in this episode was quite fun because he managed to do the voice really well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really thought, I thought when they took, I, I thought when they took out the the creature that's operating. Machine. Know, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Machine, I, I, they I really thought they were going to, I thought they were going to lift out Warwick Davis. 
I figured they have to be like, you know, little people, probably, yeah. wouldn't they? Because it's because oh, yeah, if you because if, if you look okay. at how big around it is, it's not that big around because you can. It looked like the characters could put their arms around it if they needed. Oh, could it. Have been if they wanted to give a doll like a hug, they could put their arms around it. So obviously, it's not okay. that big around. And yeah, it's not that tall. So. For what I recall of the Dalek operators who worked here from the yeah. 60s and that, they said it was very uncomfortable sometimes. You'd be sweating buckets in there. They'd have to keep getting it off. People would pass out in those things. Good deal. Well, I can imagine. I mean, the materials that they must have I used at that time were probably been. not but would not be the materials that we have today. It's a bit like... Especially under the studio yeah, lights. Yeah, that yeah, would have been hard. Well, the Dalek like, operators looking, it, now, they're not on tricycles. They're just um, remote-controlled. Even yeah. the Cybermen, I heard that they have, there's like a Phillips screw that they screw the mask in, yeah. and that's it. If they want to go to the toilet, they have, they have to get someone to get a screwdriver out. <laughs> well, it's a bit like... Um, Not a sonic Well, one. I mean, yeah, I can imagine, though. I mean, if you look... I mean, even if you look at from 1989 to today, if you look at Batman, the Batman outfit from 1989 from Tim Burton's, yeah. and the Batman today, when uh, Michael Keaton was in that Batman outfit, he couldn't go to the bathroom. They, he pretty much had to have five or six people help him because of the way the suits were. And of course, Christian Bale didn't have that problem with the new one because of the materials are different nowadays. I think he had to get it changed though, because I think something went wrong with the masks and that's why he had it changed for the next film. Right. So if you look at, so now here we got something like 20 years before that, 25 years before that, you know, can you imagine what materials they're using at that time sort of thing? So yeah. And from what you see, I know it's black and white, the Daleks, but as they go on, they keep redesigning them for each episode. So the more it went to color, they they adapted with the times. Yeah, yeah, they get more more elaborate designs around the where the gun and the the arm is. You know, it gets more. Like have, they, have, yeah. have they appeared in the new the, the newer episodes, like from twenty? Yes, they're yeah. appearing next week for Jodie's last. They're all back to bronze at the minute. No, okay. Okay. are they? Are, so are they using real machines or are they CGIing them? Oh no, they're still operators inside, but they're not on okay. tricycles. No, yeah. <laughs> but Craig and I saw a Dalek in Warren Street, didn't we? Craig? Oh yeah, Black yeah. Wall. We we went yeah. past a small uh, sort of like um, film uh, studio, like, and uh, they had one in the window. I couldn't believe it. You know, we went back and the, we were looking through the window, and the guy said, "Do you want to come in?" And we said, "Yeah, we'd love to." You know, so we're standing next to this iconic Dalek. What was it using, Craig? Because you kind of recognise the. There's some series that you said, I think I've seen these ones or this this make, you know. Or, uh, the, the Genesis arc episode. Right, there you go, you know. So there it was. Yeah, yeah it was about, about um, six foot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, So because Keith, when he gets around to the Moffat era, he'll see these big-sized Daleks, which people kept calling the Power Rangers or Skittle Daleks. Oh, yeah, the Pepper Pots. <laughs> uh, the Teletubbies. <laughs> 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 yeah, bigger is better. But then they get designated um their own ranks. I mean, they have a Dalek Supreme as it goes on. They have an Emperor. They have quite yeah. a few ranks as the years went on. Yeah, that's right. David met Davros, didn't you? I met Davros and he told me to get out. Yeah, that was <laughs> time <laughs> pretty bad. Like, time yeah. fracture. That was hilarious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. For Keith, we won't know who he is yet because when they get to the fourth Doctor era, you 
get the origins of where it all began for them. So they have a prequel to this in the fourth Doctor era, which uh, yeah. you get to meet their creator, Davros. Mm. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, Davros is amazing. But who was Davros? Was he like the, mad the leader or something? He's mad he scientist who experiments on himself. Basically, right. he had a, there was a lab explosion. He went kaboom when he was younger, and then he ended up being all crusted like Palpatine in a wheelchair. Right. Okay. <laughs> Pretty nasty. Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? Or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd? Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos, brochures, or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com. That's amazingdesigns505 at gmail.com or reach out by phone at country code 1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. But I'd rather be different than be the same. So I guess what we'll do is, does anyone want to say, let's talk about um, who's your favorite character and least favorite character of this block? Hmm. Uh, what do you think? Start with you, Matthew. Well, Matthew. Oh, I have to say, it, it's very hard for me to say who's the worst. I'd have to say that it was that foul was the worst one. The one that kept like saying, I told you so. Like he was really in everyone's faces. Like you should not trust the Daleks and all that. And it's <laughs> like, yes, we. We know, we is he, know it. Is he, is, he, is he the dark haired gay one that kept like doing everything very suggestively over the, that one? <laughs> <laughs> the one that was in Duran Duran. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> the one they like. I didn't like it because it was like everyone was trying to be so cheerful and he was just very down. He was yeah, like negative and sort of like, you know, pessimistic. <laughs> but for me, I think the best character has to be. I think it was still Susan for me because for Carol Ann Ford to like go into this position after the last week, she just yeah. seemed like she'd come more into her own as Susan. It seemed like she was developing a bit more, a little bit more of independence. She was still skeptical of being on her own, but I just loved that Carol Ann was growing with the role as it went on weekly. Hmm. Hmm. And what about yourself, David? Yeah, I just well, you know, as I said, William. Well, William Hartnell's brilliant. But, you know, when I, when I look back now, uh, after 60-odd years of sort of first time I saw it, it's like, I'm thinking like, yeah, you, you're right, he was a little bit mad, the first Doctor, a little bit, uh, you know, kind of sort of Alzheimer's in a sense, you know, he seemed to be thinking that it was mm. Alzheimer's. Um, but I think uh, my favourite character was probably uh, uh, Susan, you know, Caroline Ford. And I think the least favourite character was probably uh, Ian. For me, I think, you know. yeah. Hmm. What about yourself, Craig? Um, I liked Ian's character. I, I think he sort of developed more. He, he sort of stood his ground. and true, true. I think in one of the scenes, he hit one of the Thals. 
yeah or vice versa and then I thought oh good you know Ian's actually done something and he's standing his ground and yeah got got more of an emotional connection to him just being like a a bystander who's just lost in the TARDIS sort of thing and I just thought you know now he's an established part of the crew now and he's on an alien world and he's accepting it Mm. um but I like um Barbara as well um yeah I kind of felt for them especially when I thought they were going to go back to the TARDIS and just go on their merry way and then you realize by um the ambush episode you realize that shit Ian left the the um the gas on the part with the Daleks and then and now they're stuck and they have to go back into the dangerous parts of the city you know and I thought well that's when I thought it was quite quite good and who's your least favorite character no I like I liked even Barbara I liked Barbara when she was in peril and stuff that was quite good you know I can't really put my finger on a least favorite for this one Mm. Um, they all all seem to be like a team and um, they're very posh everyone's very posh even the files. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, my favorite character, I think I'd say would be Susan. I didn't really care too much for the Raquel Welch wannabe, the the foul woman there. That kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't know. Maybe if she wore like a little fur bikini, I might have got more into her or something. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought she was okay, but she kind of like she's kind of like just there. And I think I think she's gonna. I think in the later episodes, when we probably part two, of the Daleks, which we'll cover next month, she probably plays a bigger role. But at the moment, she just kind of like she just you don't know that she's just kind of like Smurfette among the Smurfs. It's like she's the one that's gonna be carrying the baby, the, the family line further along. She's the only woman, isn't she? So yeah. Yeah. unless she's barren from all the radiation, which is possible, but um. But yeah, she, she's the only one that didn't strike me. I, I quite liked everyone else, you know. I quite like, but and you know, Ebenezer who kind of irritates me a little bit. But I think that's what I think. I think that's what they're going for. So that's why. I, that's why. I yes, because as it goes on, Keith, he does start to mellow. It was, as I say, it was never supposed to be this grumpy, like old bloke. You're supposed yeah. to be a fan of. You were supposed to come on this historical tour. And that was it. But as time went on, when they restructured it into science fiction, they knew it would sell more, like, to make him more of a warming figure. And when it gets to the next series, you could tell he's completely mellowed at that point. He's starting to get there. I mean, I like that Susan calls him out. I like that uh, aspect of it, which is, I mean, from 1964 for, you know, independent woman or independent girl, which which she is. I mean, I'm not quite sure how old she's supposed to be here. Obviously, school is about 16, maybe 17, 16. Yeah, she's supposed to be a teenager, but because she's from another world, she's about over, let's say, over 500. Yeah. Well, well, I I mean, I think she's probably, I mean, She's obviously a woman because she's got breasts and stuff. So I mean, I'm probably, she's probably a, a nineteen, a nineteen or twenty year old playing a sixteen year old. Probably yeah, yeah. that's what they kind of that's what they did in those days. Wouldn't they? They're always like, you know, it's like Riverdale. <laughs> it's like they're all in high school. Yay! It's like you're all like or, or Greece when they're all in their forties. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so. 
So yeah, so I think, but for Susan's character to be so spiky and so independent, yeah. and then and then call her grandfather out because at this point it's her grandfather, isn't it? So, and she calls him out, and I thought that was that's I, I quite think interesting. You can take that from the human influence of Barbara and Ian being around her, because I think before then she would just like how you saw in episode one with the Keith people, she'd always go to him. Nobody else mattered. It was her and her grandfather. Now she's standing out on her own because of the, her two teachers being with her. Mm. I also think that she, I think, I think Susan has an understanding as well that her grandfather looks at these two humans as just stupid meat suits basically you know talking monkeys <laughs> basically from the planet earth because i think because i think i think he thinks he's more i think he thinks he's more evolved than they are yeah. and susan's actually though, realizing they're, they're quite they're quite intelligent a in their lot, own right and even though Keith, they're probably a lot older physically than ian and barbara she's yeah. actually looks younger than both of them so i think that's why they're playing into them being all their relative ages yeah, but Ian and Barbara seem to have a bit more common sense than Ebenezer Who. So, you know, when when it when it comes when it comes to when it comes to like you know how to get out of the situation and stuff like this, okay, he's quite good about the science part of it. But to get them out, I mean, so far to get them out of all the hassles and all the troubles that they've had, it's been Barbara and Ian's who's gotten them out of all their difficulties, all their all yes. the trap scenarios yeah. so far. It hasn't been. Ebenezer who at all all he's done is talked about the signs about oh this is how they work and this is how they work and this is how this happens and you know yeah, I'll give you the science and you guys can work out how to get out of the situation it's kind yeah, of been that way be so far because I think that's what plays into the doctor is that he was a scientific being but he was not with the universe this is basically how it all starts They've always said since the whole thing that happened here on Scara with the Daleks, that's when he started to get with it more. Right. Yeah, right. I just thought that basically he thought, I'll let you guys get us out of the situation. That way, if you fail, it's not going to be my fault. It's your well, fault. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't take, I don't take any of the responsibility. You do yeah, all the so work. Basically, yeah. When you get us out of this situation, I'll explain how scientifically how you've done this and I'll take the credit. Yeah, that's how I'm picking up on it at the moment. So it's like, right. okay, yeah, right. so if like if a file tripped over a dart, like you'd say it's not his aisle, nothing to do with him. Yeah. He's kind of personal. Yeah. You know, like if they didn't, if if they weren't able to capture the Dalek and um, basically get themselves out of the situation, and that didn't work, he would just be at the sidelines, like I could have told you that was going to work, and it didn't work. <laughs> I could have told you that. <laughs> well, that's what the doctor. That was scientifically you. impossible. You should have asked me first. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah. I always like to laugh when he calls him like, "Oh, hello, my dear boy," and all that. Even though Ian's a lot older than the boy, he keeps calling him that. Mm. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that ha I think that has a lot to do with like um, English, um, old English films. Like if you look at Mister Chips and all those old yeah. English films at that time, when you always, when you ever got like the old general or the old per the older English guys, like oh right, old boy, and it's always be like someone who's like five years younger than they are. It's like <laughs> you know, it's always you know, could they? You know, it's like, and I think that's the. I think I'm not quite sure why that is, but I think that's the whole thing about you know 
being I'm above you. So you're like, oh boy, does, you know, you'd be in your forties and the guy's like in his sixties. Oh, you know, that's the way of like talking yeah, down yeah. to that person to a way. Should you a nice familiar way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm still, I'm still above you. and still got power over you. Yes. <laughs> it's that class yeah. system through there. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I noticed that a lot in a lot of old English films, you know, what you know, Primate Jane Brody, um, you yeah. know, Ma- Matter of Life and Death, the old um, Prime Minister films and stuff like that. There's a lot of that oh, yeah. goes on there. Or even um yes. uh Lady Vanishes. You get a mm-hmm. lot of that in Alfred Hitchcock's Lady Vanishes, which is his last film that he made here. So, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's 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 a good point. It's almost like like a bit like Epson and all, you know, like you know, the doll's house, terrible. You know how yeah. how he treats her, like you know. But uh, there's always somebody who has to have kind of power over someone to make them feel better. You know, it's that arrogance gone crazy. But uh, there is that thing about the Englishness. You know, it's very uh, uh, you know putting people into box, pigeonholing people. All the and time. this this was the time when mm. he didn't have companions; he had assistants. Assistants, right? Yeah. Well, there weren't really a team at this point. It was no. still like finding it all out. Like, what, yeah. how are you going to cope with like these people he's kidnapped? <laughs> well, I also find that it's kind of weird with him in a way as well because here he has a TARDIS. This is his home, his machine, yeah. his ship, it's his life. Yeah. And he really doesn't know how to navigate it properly, does he? Because <laughs> he's like, I'm pretty yeah, sure like, now, now, now we're in this district. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I guess it's not even his home. He stole it. Did he? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes the sense. Plot thickens, yeah. Even yeah. bastard. Yeah. So, what oh, is because it? at the moment it feels like the Orville. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we don't know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense now. Okay, that 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 yeah, because yeah, as it goes on, as the years go on, they build around that he just ran away from home and he just stole the TARDIS, and that's why he's never been able to fly it properly. They've tried to explain in the newest series. Oh, she flies him, not the other way around. Oh. Some men like to be flown by her. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, matron. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on, Doctor would have been probably better. Boom, Matron, let's get in the tortoise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, out of these four, um, out of these four episodes, the Dead Planet, the Survivors, the Escape, and the Ambush, um, is there any one of these episodes you think was better um, put together than the others, or do you think they're all pretty much? I think the very first one was brilliant. Yeah, just... that foreboding. Yeah, piano. Because style. it, oh, it, it was just very a horror style episode because wow. you didn't yeah. know where it was all going, and then when it ended on that screen with Barbara with the thing we now know as the Daleks, it really was setting up for something which has held for nearly sixty years now. Absolutely, yeah. Wow, suspense, you know, um, interest, you know, uh, cultural references, um, showing people's different sort of personality, you know, just really cool, you know. And like it's a very good sixties, it was stepped out of it in some way, you know. Yeah, it was a very good setup episode because they were still not sure whether they wanted to continue traveling together or not before that whole right. thing in the Dalek City. Yeah, yeah, wow. I mean, I find it quite. 
interesting that you got something that's quite iconic as the Daleks making it in the the second storyline for the series. Because normally these kind of iconic things don't really happen until like somewhere in the middle of a season. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get the slow build, which they seem to find their stride quite quickly, which is quite amazing when you look at most shows. What happened was they were going to test this out, testing the waters to see Right, we've done a historical. Let's try something different. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to pure historicals. And the Daleks was was way more loved than that first episode with the cavemen. So that's why it all changed. If it weren't for the Daleks, Doctor, it would be purely historical. It wouldn't last long. That long, yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like the movies just blew it out of the park. Oh yeah, you know the movies. The first movie that must have cemented it. But it's like it's almost like you, you, you they, they uh, expected you just to think this is iconic. It's already in the consciousness, even though it's just being viewed for the first time. It's like, are you stupid? You have to accept this is iconic, and that's what it is. The amount of Doctor Who actors or yeah. people in general have always said they used to hide behind the sofa because of the Daleks <laughs> because of that very first story. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. So that that sort of um, you know urban legend or that, that sort of like reference started from that, you know, the beginning of that. Mm, like, yeah. It's more like the Cybermen. I think that was a bit more scarier. You know, oh, so when Doctor that- when Doctor Who, Who when Doctor Who aired in December, just before well, just before Christmas. So I guess all everyone's there. Was do you remember what day of the week that was on? Uh, oh, flipping it. Um, it might have been a Thursday, Keith, or a Friday. Was it okay? Was it like prime time, or was it like during the family hour, or was it? Uh, if I remember rightly, I think it was about five thirty. Okay, so it was like so it was almost like for the t- children programming, almost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, it's pretty scary, like you know, really, when you think, even for adults, well, it, you know. Okay, well, that gives us the reason why we have a tutorial how to make mud off from mud from bottom of someone's shoes. So, because there, there <laughs> yeah. seems to be some, because there seems to be, because there also seems to be like this kind of small learning thing that they're trying to weave in at the moment, sort of yeah. thing. Like we yeah. did it with the prehistoric man. And then we got, we got a couple things here about what radiation can do to you, like on a children's level, not children's level, like a young adult level, like radiation yes. can do to you. And there's like an ex- a little bit of an explanation going on about certain well, things. Well, when you get onto the next on edge of destruction, it's very much like it's a what if there could be a stage play for Doctor Who. And I've always viewed Edge of Destruction because it's a full character piece. There yeah. is so much suspense with the actors and their performances. It's just incredible how they managed to fit it in as a filler episode. Yeah. And, and to sort of like shoot it in such a small area, mm. in a sense, you know, because it's almost like it's, it's all, it's either the TARDIS, there's very few outside shots apart when they go to the planet, you know. But the thing is, like, mm. I mean, uh, the shots in the TARDIS, like you said, like we're saying, it's very intense, mm. almost claustrophobic, you know? Yeah. For me, I think what they're the best shots of here, because I rewatched um, The Magician's Apprentice the other day, and I have to say, seeing the original shot of Scarrow and the new shot, it's still amazing to watch how they did the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right, you know, for the time and all, you know, no CGI, like it was all, you know, um, made to paint sort of background. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you know, wow, you know. Well, thing to work on, though, you know. Yeah. And so, you- given this, given this a five star rating out of uh, giving it a five star rating, what rating would you give these four episodes then? Um, starting with you, Craig. 
Oh, I'll give it a five because it mm. set the tone and it exploded Dalek mythology into yeah. cult TV and the British institution that it is now. Absolutely. Without this episode, and it launched Doctor Who into something. Yeah, put him on the map. Massive. Absolutely. Yes. And what about yourself, David? Yeah, El Guru, Craig, like all them things, you know, and also just like everything about it was like different, you know, there was no references to any other show at the time because it was totally unique and um, um, sort of like contained within itself. And the music, you know, being a musician, you know, the, the music was that iconic. Yeah, really Everyone much. remembers that riff, you know. Yeah. It's just beautiful, you know, sticks in your mind. It's almost like Batman, another iconic, uh, you know, sort of a uh, show piece. Uh, um, yeah, I think the whole thing, definitely a five. What about definitely. yourself, Matthew? Well, I have to say, judging the episodes individually, it's just amazing. Well, I don't know if we've talked about them yet from episode one, but for this, the Radiophonic Workshop, we've made the sound effects, the music, yeah. the costumes, mm. everything yeah. from the Daleks is absolutely breathtaking because it was a game changer for the industry. Yes. And when you look at these four episodes, 1963 to 64, you just think, wow. <laughs> to me, it's a solid five because this is what established the Dalek mania, the Dalek threats. And yeah. if it hadn't been for this store being a success, the Daleks would have been abandoned and people would only talk about them as, oh, there should have been more for years as a one-time yeah. villain. I think yeah. it did its job. The crew, the cast and crew were amazing. The Files, it's still, they just made me laugh throughout the episode because they're like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure who's good. I'm not sure who's evil. Um, should we push this button? Should we push this thing over? <laughs> it, uh-huh. it, I have to say if you're brand new to Doctor Who and you want to rate an essential Dalek story, start here with the beginning of their journey because you get them at their very basic before you see the menaces and the horrors they become later on. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give it a five-star rating because it kind of, um, I don't have any history of Doctor Who, um, as you probably heard from the previous episode we did from Doctor Who. But saying that, it kind of reminded me of, it gave me that Twilight Zone vibe, which I quite like. I'm a huge mm-hmm. Twilight Zone fan um, from the 60s. And I quite like that. I thought that the story was tight. There wasn't a lot of fluffing around doing this and that and just filling up space because they let, you know, like you do get in like the beginning of some series, like we got in the first, the first four episodes, the this previous storyline, but there's a lot of fluffing about that. It's like you're going mm-hmm. to come on, move on with it. And there's none of that here. And I thought it was very tightly done. But, but can yeah. I just say off to Keith quickly for a 60 story that was seven parts for one ep- for like one overall episode, really for the Daleks. It's really fast paced for its time. Something that Doctor Who is now. So it's incredible how they managed to make it as quick paced as yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and such and such a quick time because um you know normally it takes a while for a new show um to find its footing and they found it quite quickly so yeah well I mean, five stars like Craig said it jumped from what was it Craig six million to ten, 10 million, million yeah in the space of like three months that's that's big viewing sort of jump three weeks in three weeks wow you know yeah so it shows you that people were hungry for something different yeah.
Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. We'll be covering next month our Doctor Who will be the Daleks Part 2, which will be covering Episodes 5 through 7, which will include the Expedition, the Ordeal, and the Rescue. And of course, next week we'll be covering our two for one, which will be remake, sorry, our make remake, which will be The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy from 1999. Our M&M or Monsters and Mad Men episode will cover The Extraordinary Vengeance of Adele Blacksec, um, directed by Luc Besson from 2010 and Abbott Costello Meet the Mummy from 1955. Our next book's the screen, America Goes Dark, will be Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn and the... The film, directed by David Fincher, starring Rosamund Pike and Ben Affleck. Mm. And, of course, we'll be continuing our Batman episodes, which will also be including these episodes, which will be Be a Clown, Two-Face Part 1 and Part 2, and It's Never Too Late. So it's good night for myself, and good night, Craig. Good night, everybody. And just um, for the Whovians out there, um, check out the Doctor Who Appreciation Society um magazine cosmic mask mm. i think it's the next edition um we've got an article in there so you can see um me with the black dalek there's matt rose with peter davison there's pictures of keith <laughs> and um just check it out if you're uh want to check it out the doctor who appreciation society there you go wow <laughs> <laughs> good night david <laughs> yeah well you know if if the daleks had an instagram page I'd definitely be a fan with them, you know, but uh, thank you and good night. And thank, thank the universe for sending us the Daleks and Doctor Who. <laughs> they have sent the Dalek. I think it's called Blizz Truss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Exterminate! <laughs> and Jeremy Hunt. Um, good night to yourself, Matthew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just trying to compose myself after that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <a> bit, uh... <laughs> Yes, uh, good night, good evening, and don't be exterminated before the next one, okay? Because we need you for the next one. <laughs> and it's good night for myself, and we'll see you next week for The Mummy from 1932 and The Mummy remake of 1932.